this morning we are honored to have uh, uh, Reverend Andrew Taylor come and uh, minister to us. He's ministered to us on several occasions in the past and every year when he comes to India, we have him speak to us at least once a year. Thank you, Pastor Ashish. This morning, as I shared with Pastor Ashish some of the things that were on my heart, one of the fresh things, and I'll give you a little background, when I left India teaching in Bishop Cotton's, I was very active like the untitled assistant pastor of a spiritual Pentecostal God church somewhere in this city. I, when I left for the States, one of the key things that God used as a stepping stone in my life. In fact, Pastor, I should probably not aware of this. I mean, just because we know each other, you know, you don't know all that happened in your lives. So that'll be a little revelatory, not just for him, but I want to share out of my life how God used me, because I was being used here. Please, please don't misunderstand me. I was like these pseudo assistant pastor in the church here, uh, played a little guitar, trained the choir, not knowing music. That's a miracle in itself. And, and was in charge of the Wednesday night Bible studies the three times a week. We used to call them cottage and outreach meetings in Bangalore. So, uh, and I left the States, uh, India for the States, with a letter from the General Superintendent of the South India Assemblies of God District, the then Reverend Dr. T.C. George, who's now with the Lord. When I went there, it's like, they looked at my credentials and so what? I thought, wow, all this doesn't amount to a hill of beans to them. And then something happened, which resulted in me developing this teaching, and when I mentioned to Pastor Ashish, he said, would you share on that this morning? So, here we go. That's the background. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, reading from the book of Exodus. And we've all known about Moses and Elijah were the two who appeared beside the Lord Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17. But Moses stands for the lawgiver, Elijah the prophet. So one of the mightiest Old Testament personalities, Moses. But for all his incredible accomplishments under God, through God, Moses tripped up a few times. That should make you feel a little comfortable. Remember, he struck the rock twice when he was only supposed to strike it once because the rock is a type of Christ under which the living water flowed and Jesus would not be struck twice. Because of that, he could not even enter the promised land. He could only see it. One other error in Moses' life. I'm not trying to highlight that, but this is the basis of this teaching. Exodus 18 from verse 13. It came to pass on the morrow, the next day, Moses sat to judge the people. Or to govern the people. The people stood by Moses from morning till evening. And Moses' father-in-law, that's Jethro, who was a Midianite, saw all that Moses did for the people. And he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people come to you from morning till evening? In other words, you're getting burned out, Moses. And Moses said to his father-in-law Jethro, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a matter or a problem or an issue, they come to me and I judge between one and the other. In other words, they seek the wisdom of God through me, the prophet of God, and I make them know or understand the statutes or the laws of God. And Moses' father-in-law Jethro said to him, The thing that thou doest is not good. And here's a Midianite father-in-law Telling Moses, who had conversations with God, to whom the Ten Commandments were given, Moses, the thing that you're doing is not good, it's not wise. And he went on to say to him, you need to set up under you leaders of ten, fifties, hundreds, thousands, captains or leaders over them. And that's the substratum or the foundation of this teaching. 
of organizing the body of Christ as it grows. It says about a million people, but if you count the men, women, children, not just the men, it could be two, three million people that came out Exodus, the Ten Commandments, across uh, when God did the miracle of parting the Red Sea. So, these are a lot of people, and for Moses to sit from sunup to sundown was just too much. By the way, he had a wife and children, Zipporah and children. How on earth could he give time to his family? Moses, you need to do something here. This is not healthy. You'll get burned out. Now, one New Testament scripture before we embark on the rest of the teaching. Acts chapter 2, I'd just like to read verses 46 and 47. Remember in Acts 2, 4, we read about how the Holy Spirit came down like mighty rushing wind. In fact, Pastor Ashish, you're having a teaching on the Holy Spirit baptism, I think after this. But right after that powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit on, Acts, uh, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that very day we know that how many? 3,000 souls got saved. Immediately you need to start organizing. So here's what the word says in verse Acts 2 verses 46 and 47. And day by day, continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple, and here's the key phrase, and breaking bread at home. They took their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to them daily those that should be saved. So not only did they have the like what we call here a Sunday morning once a week celebration together they also broke bread or had communion and met and fellowshiped and worshipped in homes so right there all the way from Moses in the Old Testament right through the birth of the New Testament church you see the functioning of what in APC you call life groups or in my mind the default setting is cell groups so if I say cell groups or CG you need to think life groups as I teach on this topic of life groups every one of us if we're really honest with ourselves has a desire to be part of something significant if I ask you where do you fellowship what's your home church you'd say APC so you're part of something significant but it's also important for our own growth because if all you do is come to church on Sunday and I hope you're not a Sunday morning Christian only because if all you're doing is coming to church on Sunday you're basically seeing and admiring the neck of the person seated right in front of you. How can you build a substantive relationship with someone whom you don't even get to say boo or hello to when all you do is see the back of, in fact, if the person coming to sit down in front of you is, how do I put this politely, rather broad or tall, you're going to have to peep around like this even to have a look at the pastor or whoever's sharing or singing. So we do have a need to be part of something significant. But it's also wonderful to be a significant part of something. And in a life group, averaging 8, 10, 12, 15 people, you can be a significant part of that life group. I'm sure we've heard this expression, a small fish in a big pond, and a big fish in a small pond. Both those are important in our lives. So this is the challenge of encouragement to every one of us to seriously consider getting involved in a life group. This is also a teaching to challenge and encourage those of 
us here who are already functioning as life group leaders and to those who are in life groups who you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you and dealing with you that you've learned enough along the way you had a teaching now you need to rise up and begin a new life group because you have the wherewithal and the giftings to do so it's also a challenge to those perhaps the majority here who've never become part of a life group to plug into one and receive the life of God as he desires for you to do so under the vision of your pastor through APC so keep that in mind as we embark on this now we need to be part of something significant as well as be a significant part of something that's where in a life group we develop meaningful relationships and the next point friendships till today 54 years of life my strongest best closest most meaningful relationships have come within from the body of Christ I don't basically know brother your pastor Ashish because of the prayer group Otherwise, there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of boys that went through Bishop Cotton Boys School. It's through the connections by the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ. And I'll mention some of my friends as they tie into how God used life groups to, to, to do some wonderful things in my life. And in fact, to launch me out into the ministries and trusted me today. So that's where we develop meaningful relationships and some of our best friendships. There's two types of cell groups, broadly speaking. By the way, whenever I say two types or three points, it doesn't mean that's absolutely conclusive, broadly speaking. Number one, geographic. So your pastor or the church eldership might work out, do they have access to who are the life group leaders? And there's a sheet out there. Please make sure you pick up one this morning before you leave. Don't worry about your lunch and biryani and all that. Just pick up one there. Geographic is where you see, okay, Tom and Susie or Prakash and, and uh, you know, Archana, they, they are, their cell group is in such and such a location. This is close by to me. But nobody wants to force you to say, okay, because there's one right here in Central, here's where you need to go. But, you know, petrol is expensive. So you might want, if you don't know any of the life group leaders, try the ones closer to you. So one way of doing it is to operate geographically, but the other is relational. And I don't know about you, I'm a strongly relational people. I love people. I'm energized by people. You want to kill me? Lock me up in a library. I'll be dead within three days. Relationally. You know, sometimes you just look at the couples... In fact, hopefully we'll have the leaders, life group leaders up today so you can see, you think, oh my gosh, that person reminds me of the brother of mine that I can't stand. I'm not going there no matter what. That's not your fault. Okay, oh, I know this person. I know that lady. She's a lovely person. I don't, it doesn't matter that I have to drive a distance. I want to go there. So invariably, they're relational. But we're encouraging you, whether it's geographically laid out for you or relationally, to get hooked up to and become a a significant part of a life group close to you. There's three ways of leading a cell group, broadly speaking. Three ways. Number one, now I speak, whenever it's the bad guy, I'll put myself there so you don't feel bad. Let's say I'm the cell group leader, life group leader. So, I'm in charge. I will do all the teaching and you peons listen to me. In other words, my name is Gaddafi. Wrong. You don't have to do all the teaching yourself. And that too, incidentally, I happen to be a high school teacher, science teacher, English teacher, Bible teacher. 
So I would have the right and authority to say, listen, let me do the teaching. You can't do a better job than me. But that's arrogance. That's pride. One of the cardinal sins. By the way, here's a quick lesson on pride. P-R-I-D-E. Listen, the middle letter of sin, S-I-N, is I. The middle letter of pride, P-R-I-D-E, is I. The middle letter of the name Lucifer, L-U-C-I-F-E-R, is I. I, I, I. You met some people, they're like the world's greatest eye surgeons. When they talk, everything is I, I, I. So it doesn't all have to be me. It doesn't matter that you might be the smartest, most intelligent, PhD holding person in that life group. It doesn't matter. Let the life of God, it's called life groups. Let the life of God come through people. I learned a lesson when I went to America. I need to apologize to people like Kashi Show, my students, you know. Well, he didn't get into trouble. He was always a good kid though. I remember when the kids had gone into trouble. Come out here. Put out your hand. Whack, whack. I think they've banished it now in India. But in those good old days, whack, whack, whack. You know, you talked. You did something out of turn. I went to America, to Christian school. Here's one thing I learned. We went to a staff retreat for the Christian school teachers. And one gentleman had a word for me. And he said to me, I didn't like it at that time, but now I can preach about it. Hitherto, you have imparted knowledge to your students. Now relax and let them impart truth to you. At first I was indignant. How dare you tell me? Then God began to break me. If you will receive the word of the Lord as it comes to you, if you would receive it and humble yourself. And I began to receive truth from my children. So that in the process of time when I had a son of my own, it wasn't difficult to say, my son, I'm sorry, daddy was wrong. And by the way, fathers and mothers, if you never apologize to your children, repent right now, don't wait for the altar call. And when you get home, apologize to your kids for the things you did wrong. Of course you've done right things too. But don't be so proud you don't apologize. And so now here's the deal. If you have unforgiveness against another adult. If I can apologize to my son. Why can't I apologize to Ashish? So. Don't take this dictatorial autocratic approach. Do all the teaching myself. Number two. Review notes from Sunday. Now. This is okay. In its time and in its place. I wouldn't personally propagate every single Sunday doing that. But if there's something specific that the pastor feels is clear thing from God for the body of Christ to be flowing in for a while, then he might say, you know what, uh, we had this, this topic such and such. I really feel that God wants the entire body to get this. Uh, life group leaders, would you please take this copy of the notes or the email it to you. Could you please review this even in a question and answer format to let the body of Christ mull on this, chew the cut on this. I want them to fully digest this. So that's good in its time and place. But if it's happening all the time, that, may I submit to you, that's a bit of a cultic practice where only what the pastor says must be done every life group when you meet. But in its time and place, very helpful. And the third, delegate the sharing. By sharing specifically, I'm talking about teaching as well as other aspects, but mainly teaching to others. And I'm going to elaborate on this shortly. I don't need to do everything. 
Just because I play guitar and sing a little bit, does that mean I should also be the worship leader? Just because I'm very relational and I enjoy people, does it mean I should also be the greeter? And I'm also the leader and I'm also the host and I'm also the teaching person. You know what? I, 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 I'll get burned out. The, the life group's going to close up. I'm going to come say, Pastor Ashish, please find somebody else. I can't take this anymore. But those are three ways. So number three, which I submit to you is the best way, is delegate the sharing to others in your group. Continuing on. Beware. Are you reading it right? What does it say? Oh, I'm just watching your faces for the reaction. Beware of sexist attitudes. I was guilty of having a very negative sexist attitude in my life group or cell group from the word go and the Lord dealt with me. So let, allow me to explain. We had but anywhere between 9, 12, 14 people averaging. And that's a healthy, 12 being the median. Healthy number. So we had some couples. And because I was teaching in the Christian school there, there were some single Christian teachers. They also came because they knew Andrew. It was relational. And we were fine with having the singles. And you married couples, make sure you include the singles. Stop treating them like a spare third wheel. Somebody say amen. You better be married to say that. So, singles, so there's a good healthy mix of couples and ladies. By default, and I'm not going to blame because I came from India, this was my problem. By default, here's Tom and Becky. I asked Tom to share. Now, I'm doing the right thing, right? I'm delegating, I'm different people sharing, I asked Tom to share. You know, John and Susie, I asked John to share. I deliberately kind of subconsciously but I was, this was my default setting only asked the men to take turns with the sharing when we got together every Thursday evening now your group may meet on a Saturday whatever but whatever day of the week I was only asking the men when I asked Tom one time and you won't meet him so it doesn't matter it was an absolute disaster I mean he could talk 19 to the dozen he was full of himself of course you don't know anyone like that and poor Becky, you could tell she had it together and she was struggling, coping, embarrassed with her husband. Of course, none of you wives are embarrassed by your husbands or vice versa, are you? <laughs> and then it dawned on me, duh, what are you doing? Only asking the men. I was guilty of having a sexist attitude. Now men, don't walk out on me. Stay till the end, alright? Ask Becky to share. So I asked Becky. And she was so good. So calm. In control. I mean, where do we men get off thinking that the Holy Spirit only speaks to the man? That is a dangerous carryover from pagan worship. Now, I didn't grow up pagan. I grew up Christian, the son of a pastor. But I submit to you that I believe my culture influenced me a lot. But there are some aspects of our culture you preserve if they're good. If they're not, you pitch it. The moment it clashes with the word of God, it must bow. Every knee must bow. No amens. Okay, I'll try and keep going. <laughs> she was so good, but guess what? Tom refused to come that Thursday night, Pastor Ashish. He would not sit even in a life group because his wife was asked. He had his chair. He blew it. What's your problem? It was below him, beneath him to come because his wife was sharing. And then, 
because of this gradual emancipation in my life that the Holy Spirit was working and chipping away. It took time, but for you, you can, you can slog it over the fence like that sixer by Dhoni today. You don't have to wait so long. And then Andrew asked Ruth. Ruth Morris was one of the single ladies. Still alive and well, lovely Bible woman. I asked Ruth, very gracious. You know how gracious most ladies are? They just sit there and let us men who are sometimes so full of it go on with our nonsense. The ladies could have shouted amen to the roofs that time. Not all men. I asked Ruth so graciously, she said, okay. She came prepared and I'm going to share with you very quick what she did. I have never forgotten Ruth Morris' teaching at our cell group about 20 some years ago. She brought a hunk of cotton wool. You know when you get a boo-boo on your leg, you put cotton wool? She brought some glue, ink, bottle of ink, a hammer, and a cigarette lighter. And she taught on the conscience of man. With a cigarette lighter, she pulled out four little clumps. One she singed with a cigarette lighter, it was blackened. One she poured uh, ink onto. And one she left untouched. And one she put glue on it, squeezed glue. And then she began to teach about how man's conscience, she said, see the seared conscience, seared black by sin. And then the, the um, stained conscience, the ink. And by now the glue had hardened. This is a woman. Yeah, I know you know that women are also gifted by God. But somehow we have a problem releasing them to be used by God. She said, by now the glue had hardened. She said, it's gone so hard, I need to take the hammer to crack it open. This was Pharaoh's conscience. It became hardened. And then there was the one untouched piece of cotton wool. This is a clear conscience. Pure and unstained before God. I will never forget. I repented that night. I said, Lord, forgive me. For by default just asking the men. I am sorry. I am not saying all us men here are guilty of this. But if we have been. It's our opportunity and our privilege to repent. I'm talking life groups. I don't need to do it all. God ministered so powerfully to me. Through Ruth Morris. I made sure I told her about it. And I now share that whenever I teach on this topic around the world. Let Ruth's story be told. So, beware of having a sexist attitude. Then if you're the leader, invite a guest to share. The guest could be an evangelist. By evangelist, I don't mean you expect Reinhard Bonnke to come to your life group. In this august body of precious believers, there will be a good percentage of people who have a true heart of an evangelist. You know, there's one brother song here, a Korean brother. He, that man walks and walks. He's somewhere here. I saw him in the bathroom. I know he's here. Okay. He walks and he has such a passion. He has a passion for souls, you know. There, is that him there? Yeah. But somebody with the heart of an evangelist or the heart of an intercessor, have someone. Don't we all need to pray more? I do. Get someone who's got an intercessory passion to come one night from among the APC and let them share and challenge us to pray more. Get someone with a heart of an evangelist, let them share and challenge us to reach out to our neighbors and our community more. That's what life groups are primarily for. There's other reasons, but that's a huge reason. Get somebody else who's got a teaching gift over here. I'm sure you have people over here who kind of lecture at the Bible college, for example. Have them over for a change to come and share with your life group. 
And what about a missionary? What about an NGO leader? Or somebody, I'm just giving an example, like YWAM, or some place like that. Uh, I'm not saying you have, but what about someone, or someone with a mercy ministry, to give us a passion for those who are the have-nots? Invite someone like that on occasion. Organize fun activities, like a picnic. Okay, so we met on Thursday nights, but what about a Saturday once, once every two months or something? Not only we would do that or have a potluck dinner for a change, then we would get like three or four or five cell groups in that region, in that area, like say Bangalore North. Or, so we would get together for a combined life group's fun evening at the park. Somebody book the Ramada at the park and have a good time. Make sure you open with prayer. Have some volleyball. Have fun. By the way, let me share with you another fun activity one couple did, Don and Judy. One of my closest friends in America, my wife has now met them. One day, I asked them, the reason I said them, they're really a real together couple. And they said, sure, we'll do it. But then she called me in between and said, Andrew, do you mind if we do something fun instead of uh, teaching, teaching? I said, sure, it's your night. You're in charge. Go ahead. They did something I'll never forget. And you can actually try this in your life groups once if you want. They came, they did their homework, and on little scraps of paper, they drew little sketches. And each sketch was representative of a particular book in the Bible. For example, one of them had a question. Question marks was the book of Mark. One of them had an axe. That's the mispronounced book of Acts. Don't say axe or ox, it's ask. Ask, okay. Mispronounced. But one of them had a crown. First Kings. Two crowns. So on and so forth. Brilliant, brilliant ones. You know, one of them had, you know, four, thirteen, seven, hundred and three numbers. Lovely. I cannot forget that. But the best of the lot from that night. You want to know it? It had one toilet bowl. Next one had two toilet bowls. The next one had three toilet bowls. First John, second John, third John. So we had our fun. It was intriguing. It made you think of the books of the Bible. You had your laughs. But it brought life. Everything doesn't have to be poker-faced, you know. And one pastor I heard him preach, and some person, you look at them, this, their faces are long as prunes. I think it's about time they ate some. It'll loosen them up. I don't know, in case you didn't know, prunes is good to work you. Now, do fun activities. Picnic. I talked about the books of the Bible. Help folk in your life group. There's various ways you can help. You know, there's a phrase that we used to use for life groups back in the States, Pennsylvania. Find a need and meet it. Everybody, don't say, oh, I'm an exception. Every one of us has hurts or wounds from our past. There's something we are either carrying or having to deal with at that point in time. It's much easier for people to open up in the setting of a home where it's much more cozy, warm, comfortable, inviting. And when they open up, help that person to meet that need. Couple of ways to just go down to the next one, my brother. Meals. You know, someone's pregnant and they're from your life group. Whenever that happens. See, you don't need to wait. I mean, Pastor Ashish can't handle for I don't know how many, seven, eight hundred people. I don't know how many of you. Single-handed, he can't do that. Moses was told by his father-in-law, you can't do this, not good. But when a life group setting, and he said, oh, but I'm not part of a life group. That's part of the problem, I do love you. Get plugged into a life group. 
So every time there was a pregnancy in our life group, let alone take meals when the baby was born, we even were primarily took the responsibility for a baby shower. You have baby showers in India too? Baby shower. And then when the baby is born, you already have one of your events coordinators, somebody who's gifted in that area in your group. I'll come to that shortly. Who then contacts, okay, you guys are taking a meal today. You guys are taking curry and rice tomorrow. You're getting pizza the next day. So, you know, in fact, the food is so much, the first night they get that first meal, it's enough for lunch the next day. So the next night when someone brings a meal, that's enough for lunch the next day. And if you've got a freezer, you've got enough for the whole rest of the month by the time the first 10 days of getting food is over. Oh, but in India we have extended family. My mother-in-law comes for the confinement. So, so it's okay. I know, I grew up here. <laughs> but nowadays everyone is also busy, madam. Suppose mother-in-law cannot come. Mother-in-law, no mother-in-law. Don't depend on her. Actually, it should be the wife's mother. Mother-in-law might be difficult. Sorry, okay. that's correction. correction. But the life group, let the body of Christ should be our first line of resort. In fact, we don't even need to go to them. It's obvious that she's pregnant. We have it set up. The moment the baby is born, call the life group leader. He calls events coordinator. All the meals are scheduled. So you can help with meals. You can help with moving house. Yes, I've done this. As a leader, you get it organized. So-and-so is moving house. They got the moving truck. We come and lift one mistake I made. I remember this basement in Pennsylvania. Chest freezer. Man, we guys went to it and for about two and a half weeks, my sternum, my chest, breastbone here was aching. I thought, man, he should have got a professional for that heavy thing. But you know, the sofas and stuff, we guys can handle that, you know. Help them, whether it's meals, whether it's moving house, or even monetarily, I need to qualify this now. You don't just take cash and throw it in somebody's lap. Through the life groups, through the relationships you've developed, you come to find out that somebody's hurting financially. Maybe he just lost his job. They're struggling right now for the short term. What can we do? The way we had it set up was the life group leadership. When they come to know that need, take it to the deacons of the church or the elders, whatever structure you have, your pastor, Ashish, I don't know. And then they filter through. And the church could be a blessing. Well, for this month, they're struggling. Maybe one third of the rent or something. Or half the rent. Let's help them. So this is how life groups proactively function. You don't wait for it to happen, but when you're part of it, you can be part of the whole life, ministry of life back and forth. But be careful when it comes to monetary. If it's just somebody saying, I need cash for this, I need cash for that. You give him cash four times, you don't give him the fifth time, he'll leave the life group, he'll leave the church and he'll talk behind your back. You'll always get wherever you go in the world, in every church, people whose name is, my name is Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. No, we don't need those kind of people. That's why you need a filtration system. Take it to the leadership of the life, then to the deacons, and then they thrash it out and discern from the Holy Spirit. And moving house, helping folk. Cell group is about, at least about three things. Number one, relationships. Building, making some of your closest friends. Relationships. Connecting with people. And you know what happens when you develop those life group life-changing relationships when you come here on Sunday morning you don't feel alone hey how are you Suzy? one big hug good to see you do you have a good rest of the week you don't feel alone you are not alone you're part of a smaller group of family next it's about bodybuilding what do I mean by bodybuilding not Mr. Karnataka I mean maturing the believers in their spiritual growth think about it 
It's not the easiest time, it's not the best time or the easiest thing on a Sunday morning here to come up with a lengthy word of prophecy or a word of knowledge, whatever it may be. And there is a time and place. But what if it's somebody who's inexperienced and just blows it? We love the believers. The perfect place for a training ground to develop those giftings is within a life group. Bodybuilding, maturity, and guess what? Growth and outreach. Now, you reach out to your neighbors, you reach out to your friends. They are not threatened. Because, oh, I'm going to church Sunday morning. No, they'll come to your homes. Invite them into your home. So we're having a time of sharing and snacks and fun and singing. It's much less invasive and less threatening to them. So we have growth in the life groups, growth in the church, and it's outreach into our communities. It's not for us to just enjoy, you know, my wife, me, Johnny, Susie, us four no more. It's not about competition. Oh, how many people in your life group? Five. We've got 17. It's not about combat. I mean, World Cup is over and I'm very happy India won. Don't get me wrong. In fact, believe it or not, though I'm a citizen of US and Australia, I always take up for India for the World Cup. You could have said amen for that at least. <laughs> My loyalties. <laughs> Something about Amara Desh when it comes to cricket. But you can understand competition there, but not within the body of Christ. It's not about who can best whom. It's not about competition. And look at the next phrase. It's about releasing people in their giftings. And that is why life group leader, life group assistant leader, it's not about me. It's about releasing people in their giftings. Some of them are more creative. Some of them are more musically inclined. Some are more evangelistic. Some are more intercessory. Release them. If there's an intercessor and there's a powerful prayer point, put the hot spot, bring a chair in the center of that circle. Let that person sit on, call upon the intercessor, pray, you lead a sister, sister or brother, in prayer for this person, for this need, and we'll receive. It's not all about me, it's about releasing people in their giftings. Are we there church? Are we receiving this? How many would be an appropriate number for a, for a life group? The Lord Jesus' model was 12. Uh, even though one of them was a thief, you know. It's, it's, well, since we use the word thief, which is true. A pastor friend of mine in Pennsylvania said this to me, Ed. He said, you know, Andrew, everyone who's unsaved is either a crook or a pervert. I thought, I'm tough, but that's pretty strong. He said, oh, the scripture says so. Where in times past, you walked amongst a crooked and perverse generation. So before I was saved, I was either a crook or a pervert. Take my choice. But thank God he saved me. I don't think I was a pervert. I was even a crook. But one of them was a thief. Fine. But the point is, the Lord worked well with 12 disciples. So think about it. If you're starting a life group next week, you could be so pumped and say, Pastor Ashish, or whoever's in charge of your life groups here, that's it. I'm, I want to start a life group. Hold, cool, cool your jets. First, come under some training. However, those who are in a life group who are serving as an assistant, by now you should be encouraged to say, you know what, I've been coasting on the leader's skills too long. It's time I led another group. We ought to be coming to that stage. I want to be, I want to contribute to the expansion of the kingdom of God on this earth. You know the dedication, sir? You talked about a revival. How is that revival going to come? How do you eat an elephant? 
one bite at a time. You lead a life group. You bring one neighbor, one neighbor couple. In fact, if, I don't know, I shouldn't mention the names, but my wife Anne. There's a couple right there looking at me, Biju and, uh, and Sheila. You know, is it true that through Anne, you were invited to come here? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Slowly, slowly, one at a time, one couple at a time, one family at a time. That's how Revival comes about. Now, once you exceed that number, 15, 17, 18, 20, and I have been there in the past, then it's time to multiply, not divide. You notice I said multiply, be positive. It's not a split. You have a new baby, a daughter cell. You multiply. And then the last part, the best format for a life group, I submit to you very strongly from experience, please listen. The best format for a life group, you put the chairs in a circle, so nobody's looking and studying closely the hairs on the back of the other person's neck. You have enough of that on Sunday morning. It's in a circle so you see face to face everybody in the life group. But beyond, that's just the seating format. The best format for conducting a life group is a discussion format. And this is coming from a teacher. One point in my life, being so strong, standing up in class and teaching all the time, I thought, there's no way I can sit down and cheer. I need to stand up and tell him like this. God had to deal with me and change me. Sit down. You are no better than the next person here. You just have been given a different gifting. That's all, Andrew. But when the context and the framework of a life group, sit down. And if you can share when you're sitting down, give it to somebody else. And I learned as different ones shared with such grace. Especially the ladies. I learned. Boy, some ladies are grinning ear to ear like the The best format is a discussion type. Make sure you have a little worship, a foundational text or scripture, and then ask. Any thoughts on this passage? What is it saying to you? And when everybody chips in, it can be the most fantastic, encouraging, edifying, and insightful evening you would have had. It will draw people in droves to your life group. And train your assistant life group leader so that when he goes out, she goes out, they go out, they implement similar strategy. See that default thinking still pops up. Frequency of meetings. You can have it once a week. Some churches have them. Life groups meet like twice a month. Whatever it is. And then the day of the week, we did Thursday nights. First, you've got to be sensitive. Some people have shift work. So if Saturday afternoon, whatever it is, you be sensitive to that. I've heard there are some business groups. They meet together at, at work. You know, they've got to develop their own a little cell, a life cell in there at that time. But whatever it is, you find what's most convenient and suitable for your people. However, make sure you don't have it much too often in the week because people are coming on Sunday, have life groups here once a week, and then they may be quiet if they're involved with the music practice or whatever it is. Don't burn people out. We have to give people enough family time. And church, family time for the men doesn't mean the wife says, Honey, you have a good day? She's, he's reading the paper, see? Dhoni scored a six. <clears throat> Babe, are you okay? Are you, you know, you're ready for dinner? If you, here, leave me alone. And if the wife ever dares walk across when he's watching the game, Get out of the way! You think you're born in a glass factory? And if the son or daughter goes by, we want to pulverize them because they came in between the view of my God, the one I God. That was quiet now. 
Family time, husbands, means time with your family. Real quality time. Talking, sharing, go for a walk together. Do something, go to the mall together. Talk! Do you know in America, the average time a father spends talking to his teenager is about 30 seconds per day. How quick you want to jump and follow America? If it's positive, you follow them. If it's not, out. And my son and I talk about things like that. And sometimes we have some real long chats. And he challenges me too. Remember how God dealt with me? It's time for you to now receive truth from your students, from your children. Sit and listen to your children, fathers and mothers. And children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. That time, the frequency of meetings is family time. Then it's an opportunity to exercise the ministry gifts. Remember I talked about that's the place. And please don't go prophesying about who's going to win the World Cup cricket and all that stuff. You know, We're talking about if they have a gift. Of, and you know, when I say prophet, it doesn't mean you're a prophet like Moses. The Lord can use any spirit-filled believer to function or flow in the gift of prophetic utterance at that point in time. I have, on a few occasions, sometimes it scared me. Pastor Ashish, I was in Fiji, doing a seminar. I said, brother, brother, what's your name? His name was Joe. Now just imagine if Joe, this really happened. I never met the man before. He was an elder in the church, and he had an adulterous affair two years ago. And the pastor stepped him down. And six months back, the pastor reinstates him. The whole place was so silent, Pastor Ashish. I was just an example. Now I've learned to be careful with examples. When after lunch, the pastor said, Do you know who Joe is? I said, I don't know him from a bar of soap. Do you know he was an elder? I said, No, I didn't know. Do you know he from adultery? No, I didn't know. Do you know I installed him and people got upset? I said, No, I didn't know. Doesn't mean Andrew Taylor's a prophet. Did you get my point? That was a rare occurrence, a word of knowledge, very specific. I didn't even call it that. So that doesn't make you a prophet or prophetess or a teacher or whatever in Greek and Hebrew. God can use us in that utterance or that gifting on occasion. So it's, it's a place to was exercise ministry gifts and allow for mistakes. So if somebody goes prophesying about cricket or hockey or something, then the leader calls him, you know. Whether India won or lost makes no difference to Jesus who's coming back, my friend. This is, this is to edify the body of Christ. So it's okay to make your mistakes there. You don't want to come here and mess it up here. Key to successful cell groups. Number one, delegate. Whatever responsibility. Number two, delegate. Now you're so smart, I'm sure you figured out number three. Delegate. Delegate, delegate, delegate. You are not a one woman or a one man band. Allow for God-given creativity within the people of your subgroup to come forth and flourish under you. Delegate. True story of three friends. I wrote down first a tale of three friends. But I said, no, it's not a tale, it's a true story. Don and Judy. Remember the books of the Bible? Don, Bill and Andrew. True story. All teachers in the Christian school in Pennsylvania, America years ago. And one time we had a conversation. Just the three of us guys, we got on very well. And Don said, before I got married, we were young marriage then, all three of us. Before I got married, I took a mission trip to Haiti. And I really have a heart for the third world. I want to be a missionary to Haiti one day. A missionary one day. He didn't say to Haiti. And Bill said, he was a fifth grade teacher. Don was the gym teacher. Bill was fifth grade. Bill said, 
Man, I want to grow up and be a Bible teacher like uh, Ken Copeland. And Andrew said nothing. Now, here's my background. I came from Bangalore, teaching in Cottons, worship leader, Wednesday night Bible study, so on and so forth, letters from the A. And one day after school, the associate pastor of the church, at that time about 1,500 people, now 3,000, doubled in size. He came to my classroom. This is the beginnings of how this whole teaching came about, Pastor Ashes. He came to my classroom, very casual, his name, his name is also Don, another Don. He said, Andrew, there's a cell group, life group in your locality. The, pastor, the leader couple kind of want out. Would you and your wife be willing to take over? I said, yeah. But let me tell you what I was thinking. They have seen my credentials. They know what all I was in charge of in India. Now they're asking me just to lead a life group. You know how fast the human mind can think in nanoseconds? I could have chosen to be insulted. But to be fair to them, they had no clue about me other than what I said in the paperwork. So I swallowed my spit and said, yes. I was in charge of cell groups. You asked me to lead one. In that same year and a half from our three friends having a conversation, Don was approached by the assistant pastor Don. Would you guys lead a cell group in your area? He said, no, we've got too much going on right now. Bill was also approached separately. You know, he wanted to be like a big Bible teacher. No, we've got too much going on. The only difference of the three of us, and we're still good friends till today, is that Andrew just said yes. You know what happened? That life group grew and multiplied. And then we started a new one. It grew and multiplied. And another one, it grew and multiplied. With a note time, associate pastor Don called me and my wife in the office. He said, obviously, something here. We want to invite you both to be regional leaders over eight of the cell groups. There were 48 cell groups. Eight was one-sixth of the whole large church of 2000. All because I swallowed my spit. You humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. By the way, from the time I was a child in India, I've heard people come. You know, pastor, I'm a very humble man. If you're humble and you know it, then you're proud. That is called false humility. Don't you ever say, I am very humble, sir. You're taking pride in your humility, which is a false humility. Only others can say of you, that's a humble man or woman of God. But I had to swallow my spit, say yes. But through that, that was a key, pastor, friends, a key in, in the launching of all that God had in store to release me into. Will you say yes? And the challenge to you this morning, churches, will you say yes to say, I will, Pastor Ashish, I will get hooked up with a life group. I've been waiting for an opportunity for my giftings to be released. And those of you who are existing leaders and associate leaders in life groups, release your people in their giftings. It's okay if they make mistakes in your home. It's alright. Keep a box of tissues there and give them some cookies afterwards. It's a wonderful opportunity to bring out those God-given gifts in people. And today, the tale of three friends. True story. Don and his wife, every month, they support our ministry financially. For 21 years I've been in ministry. I wasn't thinking about going into missions at the time. You understand what I'm saying? I was just saying yes to lead a life group. And Bill and his wife, Trish, every month for 21 years have been financially supporting our missions ministry. 
You don't want to take it one step further? Don and his wife. Oh, you talk about helping people? Like meals and stuff? One time their washer, clothes washer broke down. In our life group, they shared it. Not like, you know, you got to do something. I know them in my heart. They won't pull a fast one. They've got kids. They've got six children actually now grown. Almost grown. I talked with our life group people. I didn't even go to the deacons because this is something we felt in-house. We collected in those days $300 to get them an excellent good use set of washer dryer and had it delivered. Till today, I told you Don and his wife for 21 years support the ministry. Of his six children, two of them are not yet left the house. Four of their six children every month financially support our ministry. I was never thinking about money, my friend. Are you hearing my heart in this? You know, as you sow, you shall reap. Listen closely. You sow a mango seed, you don't get one mango. You will reap much more than you sow. Be careful you sow a good seed. That's a true story of three friends. We're still in love with Jesus. They're still in America, still in Pennsylvania, doing well. But neither one is a missionary or Bible teacher. I, I wish they could. I know their hearts. But look what the Lord has done. Just because you're willing to lead a life group. Seating diagram, very quickly, let's go through this clock. Because we talked about how the Lord would, uh, you know, he used 12 people. So I use a clock which has got 12 numbers. Here's some of the people. You've got the leader, assistant leader. By the way, I wouldn't recommend when you sit down. Remember I said put the chairs in a circle? I wouldn't recommend leader and assistant leader sit side by side. Leader sit here, assistant leader sit there. In case someone gives you trouble, you can catch them there. No. <laughs> leader, assistant leader, keep going. Worship leader, greeter, snacks person, VIP. Snacks person, I'll come to that shortly. You know what VIP is? A very important person. Sharing person, which implies that it doesn't have to be the leader who's sharing or te- doing the teaching. Next. Chatterbox. Keep going. Events coordinators or the fun events. Childcare, you need the children to be taken care of. Host or hostess, there's got to be a host family. This is a very special category. Extra grace required. And the last one? Intercessor. Now chatterbox. Leaders, assistant leaders, listen closely. Here's how you handle the chatterbox. Oh, you don't have any in your life groups. You, ha- you read the scripture and you ask the question. Immediately the chatterbox, they go on talking. Everyone's thinking, they're looking at the leader. Get a hold of this guy. I mean, they're, they're screaming it out on the inside. Doesn't, you say, how to do it, pastor? Doesn't the guy stop to breathe? A moment. Thank you so much, brother John. Okay, I really appreciate your insight. Now, listen leader, if you go and ask another question, immediately the chatterbox will go off again. So here's what you need to say. Okay, now here's, an, here's, here's what the scripture is saying. Would someone else, in other words, you keep quiet, your turn's over, goodbye, see you later. Someone else like to answer this. So you've silenced Mr. Chatterbox right there. Or you say, well, Kirtana, would you like to answer this? In other words, keep quiet, your turn is over. Because as a leader, if you don't get a hold of this, it'll ruin your life group. So it's a very loving way of squeezing him by the throat. So we have the chatterbox. The one that takes extra measure of grace is the extra grace required. This person, if you don't watch out, they could have an Absalom spirit. You know, you've heard of Jezebel's spirit for the woman where she tries to manipulate the pastor. But why do you only have Jezebel's spirit? What about an Absalom spirit in case you never heard about that? He usurped his father's authority. 
So there can be people like that who try to run the life group through you. They will not want to run a life group, but they will want to pull the strings and you be their puppet while they are the puppeteer. Or they put on this big facade that they are this high and mighty and deeply spiritual person. So you need to listen to them because they have the word of the Lord for your life group. Watch out. Watch out for that extra grace required person. You need to be able to see through that front they are putting on and, and keep that in its place. Extra grace required. Now, in that picture, I, there's one I left out which is RL, Resident Leech. Does it say resident leech? Here's the seating diagram, you saw that. Resident leech is a person who can literally suck your blood. They will stay after the life group up till 1 a.m. in the morning. And you are actually thinking, this is an ego trip. I am the leader. They have such confidence in my spirituality. Look at them staying and taking these insights from me. And on the kitchen, the wife is saying, you know what I'm talking about? But you, sir, on an ego trip yourself. Tell him lovingly, I got a wife, bro. I got a family. And in the morning, I got a job to go to too. Adios, amigo. Hasta village. See you later. So you be careful of the resident leech. They'll suck your blood. And then they'll come in between the week. And then you're telling the wife, put another plate of food for him. She's saying, go home and throw this fellow out. He's coming and interrupting our family schedule. So you understand, you get the picture of the resident leech. Now, don't put this on yet, keep it there. In that clock I showed you, a very important person or persons was missing. Who was that? You can talk to me, I won't chop your head off. A very important person was missing in that picture. It's the new person. What is the purpose of having a life group if you don't invite your neighbors, your friends? Obviously, you won't have all those 12 people in every cell group, in every life group. There should be somebody new that was invited. Otherwise, how is it an instrument of growth and outreach? See, in case you, you slip that. We're coming close to closing down here. Take time to visit once in a while. Even if it's once a month, once in two months. If you happen to be driving by the house of one of the people in your life group, just stop by. 15 minutes, have a cup of tea as we do in India. And they think, wow, you know, then they will never be able to say, this is an unfriendly church. And then at least once a week, I would encourage, once a week or every 10 days, every fortnight, make sure as the leader or assistant leader, you call the folk in your life group. It doesn't have to be anything. What's up? Oh, not that much. Everything fine. Good. How's the wife, family? How's your husband, kids? Fine. And you know, if they say, you know what? Please pray for my Binu. He is having exams today tomorrow. Immediately on the phone, pray for him. That's a life group giving life. And it must come from the leaders. You can do it. It's not difficult. In fact, it's a joy. It's a joy. Uh, most, you know what I think is the most spiritual time at a cell group? Most spiritual time at cell group? I even changed the color. That's how important I think it is. Now don't go and tell Pastor Ashish what a carnal guest speaker. Look what answer he gave. Give the answer. Snack time. I'll prove it to you now. Why? Because even in a life group setting, of course here you don't get a chance to talk to others. In a life group setting you answer questions relevant to the topic. But once you're dismissed and we charge like vultures for the food table, which is alright. 
you go to your friends there will be one couple or one person or two you connect with and at that point what you didn't even share in the life group setting you pour out your heart now you really that's how we connected with Don and Judy even the children are supporting my goodness what to say that's where you make your real connection so I submit to you perhaps the most spiritual part of any life group meeting is the snack time and I was so I gave it such importance listen to this you can laugh if you want I don't care I said to whoever was in charge of organizing the snacks listen if Joe's in charge of snacks and Joe and Mary cannot come on this life group evening they must contact somebody else within the life group to swap and they will bring the snack and they take their place because we will have snacks it is a very important spirit I mean once or twice you blew it you know you don't have a hundred percent batting record but give it high importance people open up something about food they open up the way to a man's heart is through his stomach variety groups you can have groups for seniors singles those with disabilities professionals business people men's groups ladies groups I didn't put it there even sports and games group if you like to play squash or badminton or table tennis give me a call I'd like to play before I leave the end of this month all right but that's one church I went to and they had their tennis club call this number I call the number I never got called back you can't I mean I can understand the world but come on in the church and this was in the West by the way where the answering machines are supposed to work so I don't forgive that guy for that he just was slack you know if he had followed up I would have met the persons who played tennis there and connected with more people and got more hooked up so if you're given a responsibility just do it has nothing to do with my Nike the Bible says in James be doers of the word only not hearers only so variety groups and I, in closing now in September of 1990 we had the privilege of going as a couple to Seoul Korea to Dr. David or Paul Yonggi-cho's church at that time he had 650,000 people attending his church Y2K is year 2000 and I don't know what it is now 650,000 people attending and his auditorium now hold it on this one the auditorium which we went to there was the balcony for foreign guests and all the locals seated at one hit at one sitting 25,000 Koreans they had ushers with batons like latis not to hit people to each door as one service seven services every Sunday as one service is done streamline streamline and the next one is pouring in and all the leaders life group leaders were told not to come to church on Sunday you are barred because there's no place for the common people and for the unsaved what a problem to have I, mean, I didn't mean common in that sense no because what about the new believers new people you cannot come only Wednesday night is for the leaders what a wonderful position to be in now here's my point they had us foreign delegates in for a private session and in our face they told us Americans British Australian German whatever they said this auditorium at one setting can seat either 25,000 Koreans or 20,000 Americans in our face I thought, well I like it straight that's okay but I had to point that out to you didn't I at that time 2000 they had about 50,000 plus life groups in the church now get ready for the punchline as we're approaching the finish line about 50,000 
2,000 plus life groups in Dr. Cho's church. Out of which 90% of the leaders are women. And every man was able to say, Amen. And now I want to mimic Dr. Cho. Because he knows Korea is still Asia, right? And if any man have problem that there are so many women leaders in my church, I tell them that all these lady leaders come under my spiritual authority. So in other words, if you have a problem with my spiritual authority, that's your problem. You can go somewhere else if you want. You won't believe one of those ministries they had was lift evangelism. There's multi-storied complexes in Seoul, Korea. The believers in the life groups are in the lift there with tracks and everything. Going up and down, up and down. People come in just witnessing them. Can you believe that? No wonder why they're busting at the seams. Dr. Cho also says, and your pastor I know will also say, and of course the Holy Spirit says, pray, 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 pray for your cell group, your life group people, pray with your life group people. Do not miss a single opportunity to minister the life of God to them in prayer. When they're with you, when they're not with you, pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. You will see your group thrive and grow. Because one man once upon a time said, yes, I lead that cell group. The Lord took us to lead six of the 48. Next thing he put me on staff of the church. Next thing Pastor Ashish, they said, Go, we will send you out to the nations. Because I said yes to leading a life group. Instead of building castles in the air, I'm going to be like so and so, so and so. Just be yourself and let God accomplish his perfect purposes and bring them to fruition through your life by your obedience to the Holy Spirit in your life. So what's the last slide say? Pastor Ashish, would you please come up? Are you ready? Are you ready to take up the challenge? Let's put our hands together. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much. We appreciate your sharing on this. Why don't we all stand for a few moments, please? And I want to invite all our life group leaders who are currently leading life groups. Why don't you just come up and stand here if you're here this morning. What we'd like you to do is, um, you know, we need to respond to the challenge. We need to respond to what we heard also, what we like to do is, uh, if you need prayer, I just want you to come forward and our life group leaders will minister to you uh, this morning. If just anything personal in your life and you need to be prayed for, ministered to you, you can come up here. They will be available to minister to you right after or during this time of worship. I encourage all of us here to get connected to a life group wherever you can. And uh, let's just grow together as a people, as a body. I want to take a few moments just to pray before we dismiss. If you need prayer, you can come up anytime to our life group leaders and they just pray with you. Whatever it is that you need personally, maybe you're going through a struggle, going through a challenge in life, just come up and they will minister to you. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for what we heard this morning. And we pray, God, that this word will bear fruit in our lives. And There'll be many more people raised up as life group leaders who will then go on to find a place in the body and their destiny in God. Father, we pray that many people in the church will be encouraged to connect to life groups and thereby grow and thrive and flourish in their faith, bearing fruit for your kingdom. So let this word bear much fruit in our lives, we pray.
We give you thanks for this morning. We give you thanks for speaking to our hearts. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.